Hi everyone, welcome to the 25th episode of Phenomenal Woman Wednesday. I am your host, Dr. Saran Nataki. Thank you for joining. Welcome to Power 365 Phenomenal Woman Wednesday. This podcast will address issues ranging from what is a phenomenal woman? Are you enough? Community service, paying it forward, the manifestation of dreams with words and action, the power in being a woman, the men who support phenomenal women, fashion, and much more. Stay tuned. Thank you for tuning into Phenomenal Woman Wednesday. In this episode, I sit down to chat with licensed clinical psychologist, Dr. Stephanie Petaway. Dr. Petaway shares her definition of a phenomenal woman, the tools she recommends to manage difficult situations, her perspective on how to navigate COVID-19, and much more. So welcome to Phenomenal Woman Wednesday. So today I have a very special guest. I have with me Dr. Stephanie Petaway. Um, Dr. Stephanie Petaway is a clinical psychologist and she is owner of Empowered Living Psychological Services in Rancho Cucamonga, California. She has been in private practice for the past eight years and she works with adolescents and adults experiencing panic and anxiety, depression, uh, phase of life challenges and transitions, um, identity and self-development multicultural and diversity concerns, adjustment challenges, grief and relational challenges. Wow, that's a lot. (laughs) Yeah. So thank you for being here. Thank you for being with me today. I appreciate it. Yeah, awesome. So, um, so, so Stephanie is um, a a friend of mine, and she's also my sorority sister, and she's a phenomenal woman. (laughs) Yeah, and so um, I'm just really honored to have you here today to, so I can share uh, with my listeners how amazing you are. And um, mm-hmm. so um, first off, um, Stephanie, I'm going to ask you, well, Dr. Petaway, I'm going to ask you, um, you know, several questions that I ask every one of my, my guests, and then we'll jump into the questions that I have specifically for you. Okay. All right. So first off... Um, What does it mean to you to be a phenomenal woman? A phenomenal woman to me, uh, well, first I think every woman's phenomenal, but I think um, being able to be perfectly imperfect, right? So um, being able to be vulnerable uh, yet strong, um, being able to take care of ourselves, but also be of service to others, And so really just kind of living in our truth um, and being able to uh, kind of be part of this big world and make it a little bit brighter um, in spite of some of the crazy that we all have to deal with. So uh, just being able to be a light. Yeah, I I love that. Perfectly imperfect. I I love saying that because... um, Because because perfection is a myth, right? Absolutely, absolutely. (laughs) And so um, given, you know, your definition of phenomenal... Who have been the phenomenal women in your life? Uh, Well, definitely my mother, uh, definitely. Um, And I think the biggest piece was being able to kind of show me that it's okay to make mistakes and still push forward um, and be successful in spite of that. So Mm -hmm. really being able to push past um, adversity. And I think that's even what kind of led me to uh, naming the practice Empowered Living, right? Is that no matter what's going on, you can still succeed. So I would definitely say my mother, uh, first and foremost, and then my wonderful friends, right? Being on this journey together, 
um, and all of our different struggles as we've pushed along. Um, and of course, you know, my sorority members, my Jack and Jill moms, um, really, you know, have been a part of my life for a good amount of, of my life now. And really, you know, just showed me that uh, we can be very different, uh, but still have a common goal of, again, being of service and pushing forward, but also taking care of ourselves. Clearly, that's most important. Mm -hmm. um, but just um, being able to help me stretch and grow. Uh, so definitely, I have really tried to surround myself with a number of phenomenal women so that I'm always evolving and growing. Um, so I would say, yeah, definitely mom first, uh, then friends and sorority and Jack and Jill. Yeah, I love that you start with your mom. You mm -hmm. know, um, almost every phenomenal woman that I've interviewed starts with her mother. Absolutely. And I think that's beautiful because some people don't have that story, you Absolutely. know, um, or they're not able to acknowledge um, the perfect imperfection in yes. their mother, right? Yes. Um, so, so I think that's amazing. And then it sounds like you just surrounded yourself with a circle of people who are phenomenal. So you just yes. continue to grow, right? Absolutely. It took yeah. me a second because the, the true, my true nature is that of an introvert. So I tended to be a, a by myself a little bit more. So it took me a second, um, but I would say once I got going, then I realized how important it was um, mm -hmm. to surround yourself with people that are gonna help kind of lift you up. Yeah, oh, awesome. So what are the characteristics that you would say you've adopted based upon your circle, like from your mom, the phenomenal women in your life? What characteristics have you adopted as you've you know traversed your own journey? Um, I would say being very grounded in who I am, uh, being able to be courageous in spite of fear. I think initially, you know, fear sometimes sidelines us. And so seeing people uh, in my life that, again, in spite of adversity, still move forward has been really um, helpful to me. So when I've been scared and freaking out, you know, my mom said you get a day to cry and then you got to keep it going. So even though sometimes, you know, um, things seemed a little bleak, uh, being able to, to recognize that uh, I was still able to excel um, and I had people who were going to help me with that. Um, so I would say the biggest piece is to keep going. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, just taking care of yourself, realizing that you're important. And as much as I strive to be of service, that I have to kind of fill my own tank first to then, you know, give to others. So uh, I would just say, using my mom, you know, she would have time where clearly she took very good care of us as children, but mm -hmm. she would go out with her friends. She would, you know, explore new things um, and do new things. And so um, I do try to uh, pour into me some, try to evolve. I just bought myself a kayak. <laughs> so we'll see how that oh, goes. That's, oh, that's fun. Out, you know, but like, <laughs> just to do different things and evolve yeah. and, and like keep going. So I would say recognizing that um, it's a journey. There's no necessarily like end point. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, I keep trying to strive to, to figure that part out, like how to keep going, how to make the journey a beautiful one. Again, even though there's things that come up that, you know, aren't necessarily the best um, mm -hmm. that we keep going. So I would say that's the biggest piece. Yeah. That, I've learned, that I've tried in everything that I try and do, whether it's family, work, is really just kind of uh, pushing forward. Mm -hmm. And that's life, right? Like, you know, 
not, it's, it's never going to be a straight shot up, you know, <laughs> we're going to have, you know, those peaks and valleys and, and it's how you ride those waves really, really? Um, you know, that really defines, you know, yes. defines you. Yeah. And so, and I like also that you had an example from your mom on how to like take space and time for yourself. Yes. Absolutely. Some of us take a while to learn. It took me a while to really learn that I deserved that. Yes. You know, you know, um, but yes, it's, it's, I like that you had that example. So you were able to, would you say you've been doing that like from the time that you learned? Is that something that you adopted right away? Or did you, you know, did it take you a while? I adopted it right away. Um, but again, I was a bit of an extreme extra introvert, so mm -hmm. I would do my own thing, but a little too much. <laughs> and so I, I had so to have to in, yeah, incorporating <laughs> like others mm -hmm. outside of just kind of what I was doing. Um, but even, you know, when I had kids, my mom would be like, girl, you better let those kids, you know, do this and do that. You go over there or, you know, so she still, um, she even comes in my practice and she's like, you need to take a break. You, you're tired. Um, oh, that's awesome. still there to kind of tell me to, you know, take care of me mm -hmm. uh, while trying to, you know, be of service to others. So yeah. she's like a, a workaholic, but she always took her birthday off no matter what she, you know, so there was just this balance that she seemed mm -hmm. to have. And so I do, um, I would say that I, I definitely um, always had that understanding, but it has evolved over time. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, that's great. So, um, so anyone who knows you, mm -hmm. um, you have a very, um, your disposition is very even. Thank you. And you, my um, husband might disagree, but yeah. well, that's that's a little different. I mean, I guess they all kind of say that, right? <laughs> yeah, but yeah, but you know, but generally, you know, you you have a, a very even disposition. You um, don't seem to get your feathers ruffled too much. Like you seem to, um, you like I, I, when I. You are very, I would say, strong personality, mm -hmm. and um, and so many times you and I found ourselves at, you know, gatherings in the corner, like, yes. <laughs> you know, talk. But that's one of the things that I gravitated to you, mm -hmm. you know, um, because I I really admired, you know, how even you are and you. Um, and very fair to mm -hmm. me. Like when when we have our discussions, you, you're very fair. So, given that. Um, it might appear to some that there's no challenges, mm. right? <laughs> because, you know, oh, you know, Stephanie has it together, you know, oh, Dr. Pedua, she's, she's, she's got it all together. No, so, all. <laughs> so, so with that, you know, have you had any challenges along the way? And, um, you know, or were doors just kind of swinging open, you know, when you were interested in, um, starting your practice or just along your journey in general? Uh, no, I definitely had challenges. Um, I would say one in particular that stands out is, is my, you know, initially going to UCLA. Um, I was used to being a smart kid uh, and then went to UCLA and everybody is smart. So there were, that's when I really understood the differences Mm -hmm. in uh, education, um, different schools, different districts, different neighborhoods, 
what's provided versus what's not. Um, so when I went to UCLA, I really struggled in the beginning um, because I, I knew how to, I was a smart kid, but I wasn't the best student. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and having to kind of navigate that, um, even to the point of like almost being kicked out <laughs> of school. Um, and then that mama came in and I was like, I can't get kicked out and tell my mama that I got to figure it out. Um, so I would say, you know, that was one, but you know, there's been things there where I didn't get jobs for certain, you know, discriminatory reasons and had to deal with an ombudsman mm-hmm. at UCLA. Um, as far as my practice, I would say there's privilege in education, right? So mm-hmm. as I started to amass a couple of degrees, right? Um, I wouldn't say that the looks changed as far as who is this person and should they be here? Mm-hmm. Um, because of course, as you continue to advance as a woman of color, you end up being like the only one and definitely African-American. Um, and so there would be this tone. Yeah, the only uh, one in the room. <laughs> yes, this tone um, of, of, you know, who are you and do you really belong? Um, but I would say that getting the degree still allowed for me to do things, mm-hmm. um, having to, or being able to introduce myself as Dr. Petaway, uh, shifted people's uh, disposition or the way in which they would engage me uh, once they found out. So I didn't have, I wouldn't say that I had a lot of concerns in opening my practice. Mm -hmm. I was concerned, especially here in the Inland Empire, if I would be received well. Uh, But I have a wonderful friend who even got me to think about private practice, Dr. Tanika Gale. Um, And so when she first told me, like, yeah, we're going to open a practice in Riverside, I was like, girl, Riverside, who's coming to see us? (laughs) Um, And so it worked out um, because clearly there's people everywhere that want um, someone with a diverse perspective Mm -hmm. that they feel like um, will see them Mm -hmm. um, and not necessarily in a traditional manner. So... um, Again, I would say my education has given me some privilege, but there's definitely been struggles along the way. Um, And while I've definitely experienced that from other people, I would say some of the biggest struggles have been within myself. Um, Again, really being grounded in kind of these new spaces. Um, While I was in school, my mother went back to school and got a degree. But for the most part, I still had that initial experience as like a first time, first generation college student. Mm-hmm. I really had to like figure all that out by myself. Yeah. Um, again, being at UCLA, you know, I'm a Bruin to the end, but you know, there was still not a lot of us there. I went um, when they voted for, you know, Prop 209 and all of that. So the numbers of people of color, in particular African-Americans really decreased while I was there. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was some of there was definitely some of that and and trying to figure out my own space there and and really digging into like well who do I want to be and then how to do that mm-hmm. um, but like I said I would definitely not take away that there was some privilege yeah um, that allowed for me to do some of the things that I'm doing yeah yeah thank you for sharing I think it's really important that um, that even you as a behavior health special you know behavior health professional have your own challenges in life. Like it doesn't escape anyone. We all have them. And so um, I guess the key is making certain that you have the proper tools to get you through it. Right. Absolutely. So um, with that, what would you say are the most common issues that seem to be most prevalent during this unprecedented time? Mm. 
So with regard to what I see in my office, mm -hmm. you know, the persons that come in, of course, the biggest piece was anxiety, right? Mm -hmm. Because people were concerned about what the future is going to hold. Yeah. Are they going to be okay? Um, mm -hmm. And that was those that um, had to stop working. That included those that still were working, <clears throat> maybe slightly different concerns, but still this idea of, of this unknown and just um, what's going to happen to us. And I think as now we're in like, what, month four, I am seeing a little bit more of like <laughs> four or five eight million. Three. I don't know. <laughs> um, I'm seeing a lot more of the depressed mood start to pick up. Because mm -hmm. um, now, it's, you know, we all thought there would be some end in sight. Um, I definitely try to inform people that I knew and clients like, well, it's definitely not going to be over in a month. So right. all of that initial talk about April's or whatever wasn't going to happen. But even I thought by now, you know, we'd get back in and clearly we tried to get back in and it blew up. So I'm seeing persons that now they've been isolated for a while, right? Um, not able to um, continue some of the ways in which they would take care of themselves because they've been stuck at home. Um, so really struggling with like how to still be okay, um, how to kind of um, push past fear um, so that they can still live instead of trying to just survive right now, right? Because there's different skill sets that you have to morph into. For moments in time, survival skills are really helpful, but you can't live that way, right? And so people are needing to transition to how do I still thrive in spite of what's going on? And for some, that's a bit of a struggle. Um, so again, I'm seeing a lot more, still the anxiety, but a lot more like depressed mood pieces, um, you know, people feeling, you know, everybody's over the Zoom calls um, and, yeah. and, you know, it's like, okay, I, I need to get out. I'm going a little stir crazy. Um, my little exercise at home routines, I'm over it, you know, just... Um, those, yeah, so, you know, even myself, I thought by now we would be done, right? Or at least be able to get back out. Um, and then we got back out and everything went back through the roof. So we're <laughs> back at home, right? So um, people are really struggling to now kind of evolve in their resources. Um, what's going to help them like keep going, um, be a bit grounded in spite of uncertainty, um, so, you know, I'm having to kind of really help my clients, um, process some of that and really normalize it because everybody is thinking they're kind of just losing it. And it's like, well, no, we're in a pandemic. There's no way to be. Um, right. and so even recognizing, like, you have to normalize the fact that your anxiety should be higher, that your mood is going to be more impacted because this is not your norm, uh, at least not yet. So I'm right. um, helping them, uh, also not be worried about being so worried. Mm -hmm. um, but again, in the room, a lot of the anxiety and the depressed mood part, for mm -hmm. sure. Yeah, I mean, that makes total sense to me because I, I mean, I, I, I have my peaks and valleys with that too, yeah. you know, um, like you, I thought, you know, well, by the summertime, you know, perhaps yes. we'll be in a different space, um, but, you know, we're in it for the long haul. Right. And, um, one of the things that I think um, is really interesting is that um, there are a, a subgroup or part of the population that is really against wearing masks. Yeah. And so one of the things that I thought about, um, well, 
there's the obvious issue with, um, you know, the leadership and the leadership not modeling the behavior and um, frankly, you know, just dismissing, being very dismissive of it. Yes. Um, and but, the professionals. <laughs> uh, right. And, and the medical professionals, right. <laughs> yes. Um, but as, aside from that big influence, um, I think I, I was thinking, and I wanted to get your opinion on this, um, that uh, another part of it might just be that there might be a desire to just pretend like it's all, <laughs> for lack of a better word, you know, going to just go away. It's going to be beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> you know? so denial there. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so. Yes. I mean, I think, I think people definitely have married themselves to a narrative that, you know, this is just some big to do because those kinds of things don't happen here. Uh, they happen other places. Yeah. Um, and the reality is they have happened here before, um, but not in our lifetimes. Um, so yeah, definitely people can get stuck in their denial. Um, I mean, that's across the board. Um, it's been interesting to watch for sure. But I think, you know, the truth about our society is that there, it's much more individualistic, right? We don't, well, different communities, you know, sub-communities, are more collectivist, I would say, American society, not so much, right? So this idea of doing a certain thing for the greater good and, you know, wear a mask, not just for yourself, but for others, it's a harder sell than in places where um, the greater good outweighs the individual. Right. So we've definitely <laughs> been seeing um, a, a vast... Uh, diverse reactions to wearing masks mm -hmm. and, and what it actually means. Um, you know, I've seen, and I wouldn't say it's everybody, but, uh, you know, the different people like that, this is a free country and, you know, I should be able to do, you know, and it's like, what, what does that have to do with just like basic care and concern about our health? So courtesy. Uh, yeah. yes, people, uh, definitely have some very polarized views that I think really clouds their, uh, understanding of what's really happening for us and just what would be a better way of, of dealing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, and just a side note, like I know I, um, in my neighborhood Facebook group, mm -hmm. um, there's a, um, one of the, the women in our community who is, um, this is her day seven of battle, uh, battling COVID. And, and so, um, and she was talking about how she had been doing everything right. You know, she wore the mask, she's wiped down everything, everyone else in her family's negative, um, but she's positive. And she's oh, wow. like, it had to just be one of my Albertson or CVS runs, you know? Okay. And, um, and so here she's wearing the mask to be courteous and protect others, but then others aren't protecting her. So absolutely. Um, yeah. I just I've find had that several really clients who have had to bury people, right? Mm -hmm. Um a number of them, they initially it was um family members that lived in like New York and New Jersey. Mm -hmm. Um but even recently I've had a couple of clients that I'm seeing virtually uh where now they've had to quarantine themselves because a family member um, is now showing symptoms, right? Um, so it's definitely not, you know, just some made-up uh, farce. Like right. It's happening around. The real us. thing. Yeah. Absolutely. And we need to get on board. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so, so given all of that, so this is a really, you know, dynamic issue. It's very complex in terms of um, even our understanding as things like evolve day by day by day. You know, I, I listen to the medical experts and um, I, you know, I, I follow and, and track the numbers and, yes. um, you know, that's where I get my advice. Yes. <laughs> and so, so, um, but even with that, it, it could become very overwhelming, right? Absolutely. You know, just, you know, you want to be informed. And so, um, you know, every morning I, I tune in CNN, I'm just kind of trying to check in, see what's going on. Then I kind of walk away and let the day occur. And then I check in again, okay. you know, but aside from that, you know, it's still, there's still this thing that's looming back here in, in your day to day, right? So the way you move ab- about the way that you, um, our, our children are home, right? Mm-hmm. Or everybody's home. And so um, what should we be doing to really take care of ourselves um, during this time? Like what are the, the top behaviors that we should be adopting to make sure that, you know, we're doing our best to be okay? Absolutely. Well, I think the first piece even to note is about our cognition, right? Because I'm getting a number of clients or even persons that I just speak to where they want to feel comfortable like they did before. And I think first you have to know you shouldn't exactly be comfortable um, in a pandemic. We don't need to be overwhelmed, right? But the reality is, is that it's, it is uncomfortable. There is this extra piece that's looming that we have to be very mindful of our actions and how we're moving in the world. So I think first it's becoming comfortable being a bit uncomfortable mm-hmm. um, because that's making people a little, you know, it's unsettling to feel that uh, discomfort. Mm-hmm. And, and in truth, it's a very normal process. But then beyond that, I would say what I've been talking to people about is first really having a routine especially for my persons that have been home, you know, there's something to be said about, you know, being able to get up, leave your home, go to work, you know, have your lunch, come back in. Kids came from school. There was a routine that people were very used to. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it's really important that you maintain some type of routine, not kind of randomly getting up. Um, You know, everybody's been talking about their Zoom business meetings where there's all business on top and a party at the bottom. (laughs) But it's like, it's fun for a moment, but you got to get back to kind of some level of routine. The truth for most of us is that we've had a routine since we were in preschool, right? Some bell system, some whistle, some something. And it keeps us from having to wonder and worry about what we're doing every day. So I would say first starting with a routine Um, Even if it's a basic one, just knowing what you do in the morning, what do you do in the afternoon, what do you do in the evenings? Um, Our physical activity is really important because we are made to move. Um, And so incorporating some kind of exercise in your day um, is definitely important, especially since we've been home a lot more. Some of that random activity, it didn't need to necessarily be the gym or anything, but just walking around, maybe being at the office or what have you, like we're not doing that. We're just walking from one room of the house to another. So Mm -hmm. I would say figuring out how to incorporate movement. Um, Again, the body is made to move. The mind and body are clearly connected. And so it helps with giving clarity of thought, being able to make decisions, a certain general sense of of, uh, well-being, um, given the various chemicals that get released, like you need to move your body. Mm -hmm. I would say staying connected 
um, because it is easy to just kind of start to isolate and not be as talkative. And I think, again, initially people were really, you know, um, pretty good about connecting to their friends and talking to them. But as time has gone on, people are not maybe connecting as much. So staying connected, um, however that is. And then I think evolving kind of your general resources. So earlier I mentioned, like, I just, you know, bought a kayak. I've been wanting a kayak for a few years, but probably without COVID, it'd have been a few more before I got one. Mm-hmm. But in my mind, I said, I got to get out this house, <laughs> but do so in a way that I felt safe enough, right? So my own stuff, I'm not renting anything, um, but getting out in nature and, and even still being around people. So I might not be right in their space. There'll definitely be some social distancing, but I'm going to be on the lake with the paddleboarders and the canoers and the other kayakers and what have you, right? So still being part of. Um, but that was me kind of trying to evolve from what's my random day-to-day. Like, how can I still get out and do, but in a safe way? So we're having to, to do things a little differently. I've had people um, clean up their garages and make it like a little skate rink for their kids um, mm-hmm. or have to rearrange the furniture in their home because guess what? You're not actually entertaining a bunch of people so that living room can look a little differently um, but look a certain way that's very helpful for what you're doing right now. Um, and then you can go back to you know the entertaining living room space or what have right. you later on. So as opposed to trying to just keep things the same and then just change us, actually shifting our environment in a way that actually supports where we are, mm-hmm. um, I think is also very important. Um, so, you know, using that backyard that some of us just, you know, make sure someone else trims, but we don't really get out there, like using it a little bit more, creating, you know, comfortable, quiet corners where you're going to read or where you're going to just relax. That's a little different than maybe what it looked like before. Mm-hmm. So again, kind of evolving um, and expanding some of our resources. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, especially what I like what you're saying, um, <laughs> especially the part about, um, repurposing the common area space, Absolutely. um, for, you know, to make it more functional for right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I had to kind of get on board with that because yes. I'm one of those people who, I want things to be a certain way, you know, and um, it was driving me crazy because, you know, I have a home office, um, but, you know, now my husband's working from home full time. And so, um, you know, he's at the kitchen table and I'm like, hey, (laughs) I I love those piles you're making. They're so nice. (laughs) Love it. (laughs) You know, so, but but I've had to adopt, you know, um, adapt and accept a little bit of the imperfection <laughs> that's taking place, you know, and, and just be okay with it. It, it. I mean, it certainly relieved some of my anxiety that I was having, yes. because I think I was just kind of hyper-focusing on it because it was something that I could control. Yes, know? absolutely. Um, and so it's important for us to still feel like we have control um, and power in what's going on for us, but just recognize that it needs to look differently. And some of us were holding on to what it was mm-hmm. to try and maintain power and control as opposed to adapting to have true power and control in the current situation. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So in your current pos- position, you know, yeah. you're having to find balance in your own life. You know, how do you protect yourself when you're giving so much of yourself to your clients and, you know, being of service? And, um, you know, how do you protect yourself from absorbing 
the energy and taking it home and not, you know, being able to have that even kill for yourself? Well, I would say, you know, I learned some time ago, um, prior to being a psychologist, I was a social worker. Mm -hmm. Um, And so one of the wonderful blessings of doing this work is that I've been able to really work with people and uh, be a witness to their resilience. So I don't necessarily feel like I'm always listening to negative stories. I really feel like I get to witness how people um, survive and then move toward thriving again in spite of very adverse situations. Oh, awesome. So that's kind of what I, I pick up from it. It's, it's really not the, the negative part, but just the fact that they're still here. Um, I tell my clients, you know, if you've got to my couch, you've done a pretty good job. And so maybe you've decided to come in to do things better, uh, but not because everything completely was falling apart. It just wasn't where it needed to be for you. Um, So I really look at it in that way. So I'm not necessarily feeling bombarded by a bunch of negativity. But I would say um, I definitely don't watch the news, you know, or or find myself glued to it. I definitely, uh, you know, unplug both friends and family uh, tend to ask why I even have a phone because I never answer it. Um, (laughs) But, you know, it's like after I've talked all day, I do need to just be. Um, Mm -hmm. But I'm very careful of what I take into my psyche. It was very difficult given the civil unrest after Mr. Floyd was killed. Um, I really had to kind of um, sit and mentally prepare myself to still be able to be present with clients, Mm -hmm. you know, that next week, um, because it was really difficult. And I will say that even with COVID, uh, but definitely with um, the civil unrest, um, it's taken me, I've really had to dig deep to try and care for myself because I didn't get a, a moment off, right? I didn't get to stop working or anything. I had to just keep going um, and then process all of that at the same time. So I will say definitely with Mr. Floyd being killed um, and beyond the other things leading up to that, it was a, a lot more difficult. Um, but for instance, in that situation, I did not watch the video of him being murdered um, I knew of it clearly. And so, uh, but to, to watch someone basically, you know, being killed on camera is not something that I know would be healthy for me. So I tend to, in my news, read it more than watch it um, or different kind of events going on. I, I really um, am very guarded in how I take in information mm-hmm. so that I can kind of have control over it, if you will. Um, and process it in a way that allows me to still function. Yeah. Given everything that that I am maybe hearing. It's not to suggest that um, some of the stories that my clients present aren't sometimes really sad and and, um, concerning. They are. Um, I just have the ability to see them as well and that they have lived through it and are still sitting on my couch. And so that gives it some balance. Um, But like I said, with the other pieces, I try to be very careful of what I'm taking in and how I take in information um, so that I can process it and still keep going. Yeah. Wow. Um, I love that you flip it. You know, you you flip it. So, you know, I've never heard anyone um, say it quite that way, um, that is a behavioral health professional, um, that you choose to focus on how well, they're, how they're overcoming the challenge as yes. opposed to the challenge itself, you know? Absolutely. 
focus on the the peak as opposed to the valley. And Absolutely. So, yeah, so that that actually to help them do right. Yeah, um, so I can't see them differently than what I'm trying to have them see themselves. Mm-hmm. So then, so in that way, um, your clients um, kind of feed you as opposed Absolutely. to take away from you. Yes, there's definitely some reciprocity in the relationship for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, I learn a lot from my clients um, and I'm hoping to, you know, be of help to them. But, you know, I definitely believe that when my clients come in, it's within them already. And my job is simply to be uh, kind of that light along their path to help them see areas that are just a bit obscured, right? Mm -hmm. Like I'm not, you know, fixing their life. They're fixing, right? They send me for like 45 minutes. (laughs) It's them, not Mm me. Um, I have the the luxury of being able to sit in the chair and see parts that are hard for them because they're the one walking the path. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, I, I need to be able to see the, see what's going on a certain way and help them see it as well so that they can make the changes that they're wanting to see. So mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah. And, and your self-awareness, you know, knowing that you yourself should not watch the video, you know, yeah. of, of no, people way. have to be very careful yeah. of, what they take in. Yeah. But the video, the video is good for the, for the, for the non-believers, but um, when, when you already know what you know, right. You know, (laughs) you know, you don't need to watch it. So I I can appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So how important to you um, are your friends? Like how important is friendship um, as you find balance in your life? Because um, I don't think I mentioned you have uh, three children. Yes. And um, and your wife, and um, so that comes with its own life challenges. Just being a mom and just navigating the lives of your children, because you're almost you're living their life along with them, you know, um, as their as their partner, as their guide. And so, um, which can can be interesting sometimes. And so, um, you know, how do you fit your friends in, and how important is that? Uh, to you, those relationships? Um, Well, exceedingly important, right? Because your friends um, pour into you a little bit more. Um, I would say, you know, your kids love you unconditionally, but they want you to pour into them. Mm -hmm. Um, And your spouses, you know, care for you too, but they also want you to pour into them um, as well as pour into you. But I would say your friends aren't necessarily trying to, to, um, completely get they're really just like let's party together right so um, (laughs) I would say um my friends allow me a little bit more to be just Stephanie as opposed to uh Stephanie the wife or Stephanie the mom or Dr. Petaway the psychologist Uh, my friends just get that maybe Stephanie Um, and so they know where all the skeletons are buried and, um, you know, we get to just have a good time. So they're very important. Now I don't always talk to them because as I've said before, my, uh, true self is a bit of an introvert. So I can be by myself probably a little bit more than others, Mm -hmm. Uh, but my friends can appreciate that. Um, and they know it's not personal, you know, it's just me. Uh, but then when we connect, you know, um, I mean, they just bring light to the world, you know, Mm -hmm. Uh, just to be able to talk about what's going on and share laughs, um, maybe certain times share tears. Um, So friendship is extremely important. Yeah. Um, My best friend actually is in Minnesota um, and we cannot talk for months. (laughs) And still when we connect, it's like we were back in high school um, talking 
um, and, and just catch up. And, you know, she knows my cousins. I know hers. I mean, it's just yeah. uh, really having grown up together. So mm-hmm. very important, my friends, very mm-hmm. important. Yeah, I I think too, like, um, like, and I think that's what I'm hearing you say is that, um, you know, they allow you to, you're, it's a place where you can go and be vulnerable. Like a lot of times when we're navigating parenthood mm-hmm. and even um, in our navigating our marriages and, you know, feeding them, we have to be very courageous. We have to um, be very strong. We cannot, um, or, or we, we limit, um, our, our children need to see us strong. Yes. Right. Um, and, and sometimes vulnerable too. They need to know we're people, but um, <laughs> there's sometimes that really vulnerable space where you can just kind of lay it all out like, oh, you know, absolutely, absolutely. You know, uh, with your friends, you know. Yes. So. No, absolutely. And, you know, uh, I definitely believe my husband is my friend too, but it's still a different dynamic a, yeah. um, than my girlfriends, if you will. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yes, your your girlfriends can just let you be a little crazy. And, and, okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, thank you so much. Um, I have one final question for you, and um, it is: uh, What do you think that COVID nineteen is teaching us? Mm. I think a bit humility, right? <laughs> a bit of humility um, that uh, we're not above it. Um, and I think for me personally, uh, that sense of how we were so distracted, and I think it, it caused us to really have to get to the bare bones, really deal with us um, as people, as human beings, um, where before we could all be very distracted by whatever else might be going on. Um, so yeah, definitely some humility. Um, as much as there's persons who are fighting about wearing masks and everything else, I do think that it has allowed people to open their eyes a bit more um, and to uh, see one another differently. So I'm encouraged by that part, um, how, how things have been moving. It's not that different um, issues are new to us at all. They're not. But I do think people have been able to take some of the... Uh, rose-colored glasses off and start yeah. seeing things. Um, and, and that was, you know, COVID, no sports, no uh, extra random, you know, yeah. distractions. So I would say, um, you know, not to um, be dismissive of how it's been very negatively impactful for a lot of people, but I do think it allowed us to be human mm-hmm. again. So. I totally agree with you. I totally agree with you uh, regarding um, it. I think COVID actually restored my faith in humanity. Yes. Um, as like as you mentioned, as much as there are people who are battling over wearing a mask or um, not really believing that, um, you know, the social justice issues that are maybe important to me uh, or, or you, um, you know, with Black Lives Matter or, or any of the other um, issues that have bubbled up mm-hmm. to the surface. Um, and now everyone has the opportunity to watch and learn without the distractions. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that even with all of those disagreements and those um, polarities, there is a much larger group of people who are really rallying around um, humanity, 
on a global scale. Mm -hmm. And I think that is absolutely amazing. Absolutely. I mean, even to see some of the protests happening in different countries and, you know, it was amazing. Um, you know, there's been a couple of times I've seen, you know, they brought tears to my eyes, people that you just wouldn't have even thought would care. Right. Caring. Um, so yes, to that end, I think it has been very, um, uplifting to see that piece mm -hmm. and we probably would not have seen it not at the level that it's been without yeah. something that causes us to all take a seat <laughs> yeah so. yeah yeah even in my immediate community yeah. I was very happily yes. you know surprised to see you know how much support and um mm -hmm. empathy there Absolutely. was yeah, Absolutely. there has been. So, yeah. Absolutely. Well, Dr. Petaway, <laughs> thank you so much for taking the time to, to oh, sit and talk course. with me. And um, this has been really enlightening. I think it'll be very, very helpful for my listeners uh, okay, to not only know that um, we're all vulnerable at times and we all are um, tr along our journeys experiencing peaks and valleys and um it's okay you yes. know yes it's okay and and one of the things you said um during this time to just be comfortable with being uncomfortable yes. because it's an uncomfortable time and that makes us normal right? yes right um you know having a routine i really love that because um as you were describing it uh it, it really alerted me to the fact that um, not knowing what's coming next can cause a lot of anxiety. Absolutely. So just even if you're in the unfortunate position of having been um, laid off from work, yes. uh, just knowing that at eight o'clock, I'm going to sit down and have my tea or my coffee, or I'm going to practice my yoga or whatever it might be. I'm going to have breakfast um, at, you know, at noon, I'm going to, um, you know, take a break and um, have my lunch uh, right before mm -hmm. I do my afternoon walk or um, I'm going, whatever, it, you know, whatever that looks like, um, just having that routine and knowing what's coming next is, um, I, I'm sure, for those who haven't had a schedule, putting one in place mm -hmm. would be very helpful. So. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for your time. Well, thank you again for yeah. inviting me. It was fun. Yeah, have a phenomenal Wednesday. Thank you, and you as well. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in today. Remember, July is Minority Mental Wellness Month. I encourage you to check in with yourself. Wellness is key, and this is especially true during this time. I also invite you to follow my guest, Dr. Stephanie Petaway, on Instagram at Empowered Living Psych to stay connected for mental wellness tips and encouragement. Thank you for tuning in to Power 365, Phenomenal Woman Wednesdays. I believe that every woman gifts the universe with her own strengths and unique characteristics. Simply because she is born, the universe benefits. Every woman is growing, learning, and evolving. On this channel, only positive seeds are sown, no matter how flawed the soil. Take care and have a phenomenal Wednesday. Don't forget to rate, comment, and subscribe. The Phenomenal Woman Wednesday podcast can be found at www.pwwr.com and on iTunes, SoundCloud, and YouTube.